Well, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you guys. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now from uh, one of our campuses or uh, if you're a part of our global community, we're glad that you guys are along with us today. And uh, this is going to be a little bit different than a normal service. I, I hope it will be good, okay? You guys will be the judge of that by the time we're done. Actually, God is, God is among us, and when God is in the place, anything can happen. Anybody say amen to that? And, uh, but today, <clears throat> we're going to do uh, two or three things. Uh, first of all, this is my friend Chip Judd. Hey, good to meet you. Yeah. Chip is, uh, <clears throat> Chip is uh, on staff here for how, how long? 13 years? 12 years, yeah. 12 years. Yeah. And, uh, he's also a counselor and counsels um, church staffs, really. Counsels a lot of people, but church Very staff. Very troubled people. Troubled people, yeah. Uh, church staffs all over America. And um, so uh, why this is different is Chip and I wrote a book called The Endurance Factor. Maybe you saw that. Come on, and man. We're very excited about it being out. Um, it's how uh, leaders can avoid burnout, live well, and finish strong. How many of you would like to live well and finish strong? And uh, we believe, we believe, and that was weak, but we'll give you another chance. <laughs> but, but you noticed that too? I did. Yeah. But we believe that, that, you know, Jesus invites us into a life more abundantly than what uh, we probably uh, live, and that's more than about things. A lot of that happens right here. And we talk a little bit about that. So we're releasing a book. We're also inviting you into a community, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. We're very excited about that. And um, we, want to, we want to invite you today and challenge you to live well and finish strong. And Chip, why don't you kind of kick us off and what does that look like and what does that mean? All right. How y'all doing this morning? All right. You know, Jesus was a pretty good communicator, and uh, he loved to make people think, and he used two primary methods. He would ask questions, and he would share stories, stories that we would call parables. Well, I'm going to do both this morning. I want to ask you a question, and then I'm going to use a parable to kind of stir that question a little bit. So here's my question. What percentage of people, think about it now, in your life and observations, what percentage of people, couples, whatever, finish well. In other words, just I'm not going to have you yell it out or anything if we were sometimes we would, but just think about it. What percentage of people end in their 60s, 70s, 80s or whatever in the shape they thought they'd be in when they were in their 20s? And uh, that's kind of something I love to think about, talk about, and that's kind of what's driving us. So that's the question. What percentage of people finish well? Um, here's the parable, very uh, famous parable, the parable of the sower. It's uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 3 through 8. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. That's one soil. Other seed fell on shallow soil <clears throat> with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Second soil. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so that they produced no grain. Third soil. Verse 8, still others fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as been planted. 
fourth soil. Now, there's a lot of cool stuff in this parable, but we're going to focus on one thing. How many finished well? There's four soils. Yell out to me how many ended well. I'm not going to give you any clues. <clears throat> so here's the deal. Here's a parable Jesus is telling, and only one in four ended well. Now, what if we went around this room? What if we divided up into groups of four groups? One, two, three, four. And what if we just said, you know what, group four, you're the only one that's going to end well. I don't know about you, but I'd be working pretty hard to get in that group. And that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure that out. Well, let me share a couple of thoughts with you. I've, I've played with this, studied it, taught it for years and years. I love this parable. Most people do. And uh, I just want to throw a few thoughts at you. And then Pastor Gray's going to talk about the book. Here's the deal. Everything you build, everything you build and invest in is going to be tested. Everything. Your marriage, your spiritual life, your parenting, your career, your health, your finances. Everything you build will be tested. And you don't know the quality of what you've built until it's tested. That's one thought. I got three. Second thought. The inside creates, shapes, and defines the outside. The inside creates, shapes, and defines the outside. Now, this is going to be another slide, but it's a, a, a secondary thought to this one. The greatest obstacles and barriers between you and the future you want. Please listen to this. The greatest barriers between you and the future you want are not out here. They're in here. The biggest things that are keep you from getting the life you want are probably between your ears. That's number two. Number three, the greatest theft. Pastor Greg referred to John 1.10. Jesus came to bring us abundant life. Well, right before that part A is... The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I believe the greatest theft the enemy succeeds at is not reaching in your pocket and taking what you currently have. It's keeping you from getting what God meant for you to have. You know, people say, say well, are there going to be tears in heaven? I don't know if there's going to be tears in heaven. But here's the deal. If there's going to be any tears in heaven, you know what I believe one of the main sources of those tears is going to be when you and I realize all we left on the table all that we could have had, all that we could have been, all that we could have done. So we just want to help people live well and finish strong. And, you know, you got to be a certain age to write a book called The Endurance Factor. <laughs> you know, you can't write that at 20. So, Pastor Greg, why did we write the book? Yeah, that, and even before we get into why that we write the book, I know you put you on the spot here a little bit, but... I know you've talked a little bit about a study somebody did of biblical characters yeah, yeah, yeah. about how many biblical characters actually mm -hmm. finish well. Do you remember that? Yep. Or? I'll never forget it. 500, 113. 500, 113. Why do I remember that? Because it just scared the mess out of me. I probably read this book 20, 25 years ago. Basically, somebody had done a study, and they studied leaders that started strong in their 20s. And it was a longitudinal study, meaning they, they, they took it out years. And here's what they found. Uh, all kinds of things about leaders, but in the process of that, they studied scripture. And they found there were about 500 leaders mentioned in the, in the Bible. 100 of the 500, it gave some details about their life and how it ended. 500 mentioned, 100 how their life went, and most importantly, how their life ended. 500 mentioned, 100 how their life ended. Only 13 
of that 500 and 100 and did well. Mm. And that just, at, at, I don't know, 30-ish, that just got my attention. I want to end well. I want to end well, too. Not anytime soon. Yeah. No, I hope not. Yeah. Um, why did we write the book? Uh, we're sitting at Seacoast Church, and in May, on May the 3rd of 2020, I don't know if you remember back 20, how many of you remember 2020? Anybody remember 2020? Yeah. Uh, May the 3rd, 2020, sitting at a table somewhat like this, on this stage, one of my best friends, Darren Patrick, preached an incredible, incredible message. And on May the 7th, Thursday of that week, he took his own life. Yeah. I talked to him that day, and I knew he was sad. I had no idea that he was at the point that he was. He and I and you had gotten together probably two years before that yeah. and said, what if we help pastors? Because we saw a coming trend of pastors that uh, wasn't good, and uh and then, and then Darren was, was gone. And I, I'll never forget the trauma of that um, for his family, Amy, and the kids. They're incredible. And they're doing well, by the way. They're doing well. Um, the staff, we, we were at a point of lockdown, if you remember that, as a nation. And, and um, we had to go through the process of grief with the staff and with the church without being able to meet. Yeah. Do it all, all online. I remember uh, getting away for a few days. We couldn't even have a funeral. And uh, uh, we kind of sn snuck off uh, uh, to Kansas, actually. There was a baseball player that allowed us to use his, his ranch uh, just to get away with, for some of us that were very close to Darren and were grieving. And I remember saying, you know, uh, we had a dream of helping leaders, but how can we help leaders when we couldn't even help our own friend? And can I tell you, by the way, that that thought wasn't Jesus, right? That was a thought that wanted to keep me steal exactly what you talked about right. earlier, right. what God had for us. Right. Fortunately, there were friends there that said, we can't think that way. We've got to press on. And, and so um, a little bit later, we read the statistic by George Barnum, uh, studying pastors, and uh, said that 42% of all pastors, this was about two years ago, 42% of all pastors are in some form of burnout and would quit if they had an opportunity to. And I thought, are you kidding me? Can you imagine what would happen in our churches, in our families, uh, in our neighborhoods, in our communities? You talk about a nation at risk if nearly half of the pastors just gave up and just, just quit. And I kind of took that away. Not, not long after that, or I don't know if our, my time frame is right or not, but a publisher um, who was doing a photo shoot for ARC, and he came out and he saw that we had started something at Church Creek. He looked around and he saw it, and he said, you've got to write a book about this. You've got to write a book. And I said I would if I could have my friend Chip uh, do it with me. You know, it, uh, the way we wrote the book is I wrote the first part of every chapter because I got here first. And, uh, and, then, and then Chip wrote the second part of the chapter. Mine is kind of like the dessert on the front end. How do you like to eat your dessert early? Anybody like me? And I, It's, it's kind of it's like flash and substance. That, I, that's what I was going to say. It's kind of the dessert first, and then you get the deep, deep substance. And it, I, I think it works. I think it works. But anyway, so 
we, we wrote it to, to help pastors live well and finish strong. And here's what we found out while we were writing is, hey, pastors aren't the only ones with this challenge, That's right. this problem. It's, it's doctors, it's nurses, it's teachers, it's everyday workers. Did you know that there is a worldwide, uh, depression is up by 25%. Think about that, worldwide, worldwide. And then we have, you know, uh, the, the great resignation and all of the things that we're talking about. And so, and so uh, while the book was written geared toward pastors, I gave an, an advanced copy to several business leaders and uh, I've gotten several of them, that, and one today, I've gotten several of them that told me it was written to me and I related to it and, and benefited from it. So that's, that's why we wrote, wrote the book. Um, and then we started the retreat at Church Creek. A lot of you know about that. Um, we re researched burnout in pastors and we, and we found there was a lot of research being done on it. And we found that um, of the research, they said that, that retreats and community and resources would probably be the thing that would, would attack it the best. And so we felt like we were ahead of the curve on that. But here's what Boston University uh, is doing, putting a lot of money into it. And here's what they said. They said that sadly, those who need it most probably won't be able to afford it. And what they were saying is recognizing the, the reality that the average church in America is less than 100 people. You're sitting in an anomaly. I mean, this is one of a fraction of one, there are about 15 or 20 of this size in America. Most churches, 340,000 churches, most have less than 100 people. 94% of all churches are less than 500 people. And these are the pastors that probably need it the most but won't be able to afford it. I was sitting uh, at the retreat just a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, and we don't, they don't talk about during their retreat, we bring in 15 pastors at a time, and they don't talk about size of their church and all that, but I know what they are. And at that table, there was sitting a pastor uh, of a church of 15,000 people. Right across from him, there was sitting a pastor of a church of less than 100 people less than 50 actually, and his wife had died three months ago. Uh, unexpected, uh, and he's grieving. I asked him, did you take some time off? He took two weeks off from preaching because he doesn't have anybody to help. And uh, that's our target. And you guys have given so much. We make it free for those pastors. Costs us about $2,000 a week for everything that we 20, do. 20,000. Well, 2,000 per pastor. Oh, I got you, okay. Um, uh, for everything that we do, the land and all, all the, the staff and all that's done. And you guys have given so much so that we can yeah. make this for, um, um, you know, we, we make it for everybody, but our target are the, the smaller pastors. We've served over a thousand pastors and what have been the results in two years? We give a survey and 49% have said that this experience has been life-changing. Life-changing, 49%. 40, yeah, that's worth applause. 46% have said it's been very helpful, extremely helpful. So 95% say it's extremely helpful. The other 5% we're not inviting back. Um, so we wrote a book. Let me just say something real quickly about the book, then I want Chip to kind of give us some more practical things that we can take home with us. But... Um, we wrote the book, and we, I don't want to sell, we're not selling this. 
Somebody said, how much does it cost? We are not selling this. I don't want to sell it, okay? In fact, Chip and I have given, given the book to uh, the work of the retreat. We're, we're not making money on this. Right. I don't want to sell it. I want to give it away. Now, let me tell you what, how I want to give it away. I want to give it away in community. We, we talk about it. We dream about this. We dream about more than writing a book. We dream about attacking this problem and Absolutely. changing the conversation Come on. in America on this whole thing. We really do. That's our goal. And so we, we dream about what if we created a community and a conversation around live well and finish strong? A community where we have ongoing conversations around applying it to ourselves and to our kids and to our businesses as well as churches. Building a conversation aimed at a bold vision of changing the conversation in the world right now. And we're inviting you into that conversation. I'm gonna tell you how, how I, I'd like everybody to have the book. I really would. Get your phone out. Would you get your phone out real quick? Get your phone out. How many of you have a phone? Okay. <laughs> this is the time to get it out. All right. And uh, on the screen, you're gonna see a QR code. Go to the QR code, if you would, and uh, if you can't get to the QR code, it is theendurancefactor.com. Not just Endurance Factor, theendurancefactor.com. And when you get there, you're gonna have some information about how to join uh, the community. And uh, let me just talk to you, just, uh, there's two levels of joining, don't do the second level, it's for pastors, okay? The first level is, um, is uh, $10 a month. We're asking you to join a community for $10 a month. And you can quit anytime you want. So theoretically, you could join for $10, get the book for half of what it actually cost us, and, uh, and opt out, which that's up to you and God, all right? We don't care. We're giving the book away. But we, we hope you get enough out of the community that you stay and understand any money that you put into it is going toward helping leaders over the long run. Everybody get that? And so here's what you get from the community. Weekly discussions, group challenges, meetups, live events, including online worship gatherings just for you. Monthly, Chip and I are gonna do a, a live, um, uh, we call it office hours, where we'll be on live with how many ever people wanna be there, and we'll have a Q&A and just discuss whatever you wanna discuss. We'll talk a little bit about some things, that trends that we're seeing, and we'll do that. We're gonna do book clubs. Chip likes to read. I read too, uh, but he reads better and more. And uh, so we'll have a book club with Chip, including we're going to start this this Wednesday, October, whatever that is, third or fourth. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, at noon, I think, with a book club on this where we'll be discussing it and uh, talking about it, all kinds of things. You can read about that, but you can join the join the club, join the community uh, to to uh, help others live well, finish strong, and you live well and finish strong. If you do that. You're here at Seacoast or you're online or wherever you happen to be. Go in a foyer uh, at one of our campuses and pick up a book. And we're just doing that on a trust basis. If you would steal a book without getting in the community, you have deeper issues and you need the book, okay? Uh, but just join the community, go pick up a book. Does that make sense? All right, everybody got that? Yes, okay. And that, that the cost, $10, that's two average Starbucks coffees per month, okay? And you don't need the coffee. So just forego it, and, uh, and uh, uh, we want you to be a part of the community. Chip, talk to us about... about just uh, a thought on that. Uh, yeah. 
Greg and I are both guys that are creeped out talking about money, believe it or not. We just want to help folks. We want to help you. We want to help leaders. We feel like if we help leaders, we're helping you and churches all across America and the world, maybe. And um, we want to, we want to, forgive us for the arrogance of this. We want to start a conversation that affects the entire church, that helps the church get healthier. How have I been embarrassed by the church occasionally lately? Anybody been embarrassed? I sure have. Well, we just want to, we want to get in the middle of that and try to help you get as healthy as you can possibly get and um, anybody else we can help. Yeah. Talk to us about your experience, how, uh, how this applied to you. Yeah, man. I'm going to read you a little part of the book that I wrote in the good part of the book. You know, half's good. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think you've emphasized that plenty. All right, that's rude. You think they got that? Yeah. All right, there I was. This is true. This is me. There I was, curled up in a ball in a fetal position, crying uncontrollably. I was lying on my bed. My wife was sitting with me, and one of my best friends, Philip Miles, a pastor I've known for decades, was on the phone attempting to make sense of the moment. I was known as someone who was emotionally strong and stable, and no one would have ever expected to see me this way. I kind of knew what was happening, but I couldn't seem to do anything about it. It ambushed me from out of nowhere. I felt helpless, afraid, irrational, embarrassed, ashamed, and trapped, feeling like it would never end. I didn't want anyone to see me this way. <clears throat> that happened 10 years ago here at Seacoast. I was getting ready to speak that weekend. Believe it or not, my message was on how to manage your emotions. <laughs> and what happened was my emotions crashed. I had a classic adrenaline fatigue burnout I it was horrible my poor wife who's sitting over here oh my gosh it was it was horrible thankfully I had great friends around me I had great support I, I reached out to uh, medical people um, I did all the stuff you need to do to get through it and to recover from it and quite honestly it was uh, it was a process I mean and it took a while the bottom line of what got me there was I just stopped paying attention to some of the things you need to pay attention to. And I ended up somewhere I never thought I would. And for a brief little season there, I worried about whether I was going to live well and finish strong, whether I was going to continue to have the life that I had been having and hoped to have. And I learned some things from the crash, as I call it. What did I learn from the crash? I'm just going to read you a couple of different thoughts, and it looks like four or five. I can't. I had some unprocessed toxic emotions that were ambushing me, and I wouldn't slow down and deal with them. I had been hurt by some things, and I just wasn't slowing down to deal with them. I, was, I wasn't listening to my emotions and allowing them to lead me toward health and freedom. I was avoiding things that did bother me, and I was drawn into various forms of escape. Now, here's the interesting thing. None of the escape that I chose was horribly wrong, but I was using it to distract me from what was really going on in my life, and it just wasn't helping. In fact, it was making things worse. I wasn't being honest with myself and with God about some disappointments over the years and how they affected my trust in him. We buried a couple of friends that I just thought, God, this just doesn't make sense. Why, why didn't you come through? 
And it affected me. It affected me in some deep ways. I wasn't regularly slowing down to allow God and others to speak into my life at a deeper level. I was just getting it. And pretty much what I was doing was all good. I just was getting it. And I was having a blast. And I was ignoring all the signals that my, my body, my heart, my spirit, friends, wife. Yes, I ignored my wife to some degree. And, uh, and I paid for it. I wasn't honoring the way God created me to live by being a good steward of my life rhythms and energy. What got me to where I am in ministry is this really cool stuff I've learned about journaling and some other things that I'm going to share here in just a moment. But um, I had gotten so busy that I drifted from some of the basic core disciplines that kept me connected to God and healthy. And uh, I ended up in a really, really, really bad place. We've discovered, and we, uh, I think it's chapter six. Chapter six, I think. Um, I call it a toolbox, but we've discovered some things, four to be exact, that if you'll do these four things with some degree of consistency, you'll probably avoid or at least get through better any of these rough spots you hit. So let me share four things. And why am I sharing these with you? I can't teach on them this morning, but I just want to whet your appetite. These are the kinds of things we're going to be talking about developing, teaching, and creating opportunities for you to experience and grow in. In our, in the community. In the community, yeah. right. This is the kind of stuff we want to talk about. So four tools or practices that support a multi-decade adventure of intimacy and impact, passion and purpose. God means for your journey with him to be fun and exciting. And I believe it can be. We got we to gotta pay attention to some things. So number one, four things. Number one in your toolbox is find your band of brothers or band of sisters. Find a group of people that you can connect with consistently, regularly, and at a deep enough level that they can just kind of... I, I, when Greg walks in a room, I can tell in two or three minutes if he's all right. I've been around him enough now. We've had enough deep conversations We've laughed together. We've, we've been around each other. When he walks in a room, I'm just like, hmm, what's, what's off with him? You need some people in your life that you invite and empower. You invite and empower into your life deeply enough to speak truth to you when you need it. You've got to find your band of brothers, and we want to help you do that. Number two, you need to take the time and learn some skills to develop a conversational relationship with God. You need to develop a relationship with God where you and he interact in some really cool and powerful ways. I know we don't have time to teach on that, but that has been one of the things that has sustained me more than anything else. Yeah. And it's a skill that's different than anything that I yeah. had uh, kind of before our relationship yeah. began. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's a way of journaling mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's simple but it's really, really powerful. The third thing is learn to go to God first and most, first and most, first and most for everything you need. Learn to go to God for your need for love, for your need for approval, for your need for encouragement. I go to God before I go to my wife, before I go to my friends. I go to God first and most for everything I need. And it lightens their load and mine. And then the fourth skill we wanna help people learn is how to kill your ants. Ants are automatic negative thoughts. 
How many of you have automatic negative thoughts bouncing around your head every once in a while? Mm -hmm. But we want to give you a three-step process. It's just based on psychology. Cognitive therapy is the fancy name for it. But it's very, very simple if you'll consistently practice this three-step process of capture, question, replace. And we want to help you learn that kind of stuff. And you say that it's basic psychology. Is it based in God's word? Absolutely. Absolutely. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians 4 talks about being renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's all based in scripture. Great. It's what I call sanctified psychology. I knew you called it something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me end with one thought. Scripture. I want to end with this simple thought from 1 Corinthians 10, 12. And, and again, it's a little negative, but I want to end because we want to set up a time, response time, for you to engage God and get real with yourself. Because here's the deal, man. I don't want you to get sucker punched. I don't want you to get ambushed like I did. And yes, I, had, I ignored warning signs. Yes, I violated some of my, my core practices. But I guarantee you there's some people in the room that are doing the same thing. Whether it's in your spiritual life, your marriage, your friendships, business, whatever. So here's the scripture. First Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, this is New American Standard. Therefore, let the one who thinks he stands watch out that he doesn't fall. In other words, don't think you're cruising along doing all right. Because if you don't have a band of brothers or sisters, if you don't have people you're interacting with on a regular basis, you may not know. Here's the same verse, but in the message. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. We want to invite you into this community. Why? We want to help, man. We want to talk. We want to pray. We want to do all kinds of things to help each other live well and finish strong. Let me pray for us. Thank you, Lord. Father, we love you, sir, and more importantly, you love us. And uh, we appreciate your commitment to help us live well and finish strong. All we ask is that every one of us in this room, every one of us watching online, that we're taking advantage of every opportunity to challenge ourselves and put ourselves in a position that we can be aware of where we are susceptible to ambushes and we can grow through them and away from them. And uh, we pray for this wonderful group of people, Lord. What an honor it is to pastor them. And uh, we pray that you'd use this book beyond what we even ask or think. And we thank you, sir. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.